Tonight, God's Word comes to us from Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21. And we're going to be reading just the first 21 verses of this chapter. Genesis 21, beginning at verse 1, we hear now is God's word. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Who whatever Sarah tells you to do, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named." And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took a bread and skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, in our study of the life of Abraham in the book of Genesis, we are returning tonight uh, really to the main storyline. The story began back in chapter 12, 
When God came and made an initial promise to Abraham, a promise that he would become a great nation. We saw God in chapter 15 making a covenant with Abraham, and again in chapter 17, God comes and confirms that covenant and says, you will have a son. We've seen since then, Abraham pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah. We see Lot being rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah. We see the incident with Abraham and Abimelech. But now we return to that storyline of what about the son? What about the promise? God had made promises to Abraham. Promises to give him a land and promises to give him a son. God said with regard to the land, it will be some 400 years, but you will come back. With regard to the son, Tonight in chapter 21, we see that son born to Abraham and to Sarah. It's a story of God's faithfulness to his word. I thought about using that for the the sermon title tonight, God's faithfulness to his word, but of course that would be a, a sermon title for almost any sermon. God is always faithful to his word. So tonight we look at this text from Genesis 21 under the theme of God brings laughter. God brings laughter. We will see laughter surrounding the circumstances of the birth of this child. We'll see laughter at that celebration that Abraham has for him and how that applies to us today. What laughter are we to have with regard to this story? God brings laughter. Laughter to Abraham regarding the circumstances around with this child when this child is born. Back in chapter 17, you perhaps recall, God had said to Abraham, you will change your name and Sarah will change her name. Genesis 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And when we looked at that text, what was that laughter of Abraham at this announcement that he and Sarah would have a child? It was a laughter of wonder. It was a laughter of amazement. A laughter at at the great power of God who could take this old man and this old woman and give them a child. A laughter at the power of God to do amazing and great things. The power of God to make a promise and to fulfill a promise. God still does the same today. He always works things out in the most wonderful and the most perfect way. Perhaps there have been times in your life when you have been very stressed about a particular thing and you wonder, how in the world were God to get me through this? And when we see God working his plan out, we almost sit back and laugh. Once again, God showed his power. He showed his glory. Why was I troubled? Why was I worried? God had it all under control. A laughter of wonder, a laughter of amazement at the great power of God to do what he says he will do. We saw laughter 
from Sarah. That was a different kind of laughter back in chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 9, remember these men come and they visit with Abraham, and we read in chapter 18, verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Sarah laughed. We saw, looking at that text, this was not a laughter of wonder or amazement. This was a laughter of disbelief. We know that because she's rebuked for her laughter. She, she didn't believe it actually could happen. And then we had that, that text that comes through, is anything too hard for the Lord? She had to be instructed. Sarah laughs in unbelief. She can't imagine God actually fulfilling His word in this way. Could this happen to me, she says. Perhaps today we are tempted for the laughter of disbelief. We find ourselves in difficult situations and we say, I can't imagine how God can get me out of this. And we limit God by our own imagination. God is not limited by what we can imagine. He is far beyond us. We are tempted to laugh in disbelief, saying, no, no, this absolutely cannot be. There was a laughter of disbelief surrounding the circumstances of this child's birth. And then at the birth itself, from our chapter, chapter 21, verse, th verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Isaac means laughter. They called the child laughter. This laughter, a laughter of delight. A laughter of joy as they see God fulfilling His word so perfectly. Delight in the fulfillment of God's promises. Exactly as He said. Look at verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as He had said. The Lord did to Sarah as He had promised. God being absolutely faithful to His word. A laughter of joy and delight as they see God's purposes unfold for them. And in God's time. Look at verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Exactly according to God's purposes. Abraham and Sarah have a son and they call him laughter. Verse 6, what does Sarah say? God has made laughter for me. She goes on, Everyone who hears will laugh over me. The idea is not laughing at her, but joining in that laughter, that laughter of joint light. They will laugh as well when they see God doing exactly as he said. The delight of seeing God fulfill his word in such a wonderful way. Laughter surrounding the circumstances of Isaac's birth. Then we have <coughs> laughter Surrounding the next celebration, verse eight, verse 8 there, 
And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now there's a break in the text between verse 7 and verse 8. Uh, the, the time for weaning a child was about at two or three years old. So two or three years time have passed between verse 7 and verse 8. This is a celebration that takes, much, takes place much later at the time of his weaning. There was laughter there as well. Verse 9. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Sarah saw this son of Hagar the Egyptian laughing. Remember Hagar. Abraham had been told he would have a son. He thinks he's too old. Sarah is not conceiving. So Abraham takes matters into his own hands. He seeks help from Hagar, help from the Egyptian. Doesn't think God can do what he said he would do. And the son of this Egyptian is born. Now that had taken place some 14 or 16 years earlier. So, so this son of the, uh, of the Egyptian, this is not two little boys playing together. This is a teenage boy who is, who is laughing the text gives us the indication mocking, actually. In fact, the, I think that's the word the King James used, mocking him. This is not simply sibling rivalry, one brother picking on the other. But this is the older brother who is mocking his little brother, the son of promise. You see, as long as Ishmael was there alone, he must have thought, look, I'm heir to all that Abraham has. I'm the only son. I'm the one. And now with this other child, this child of promise, he now realizes he is not the heir. He is not the one through whom God would keep the covenant line going. And he mocks this child. He mocks this, this little one, this two or three-year-old. And so Sarah says to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. He is the son of the Egyptian, the son of disobedience, the son who thought that he could, through his, through his physical line, have the inheritance. And she says, he won't be an heir with the son of the promise. It is through Isaac that the offspring shall be named. And she tells Abraham, send away Hagar, send away her son. He will not mock my son. And again, this is more than just a, a mother protecting her child. This is, this is the Egyptian, the outsider, mocking the son of promise. The outsider mocking the son God had promised to Abraham and Sarah. Mocking the son of the covenant. And Paul picks up on this as he writes to the Galatians. If you would, turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, where Paul picks up this, this um, Hagar and Sarah dispute with regard to their sons. 
In Galatians chapter 4, I'm going to start the reading at verse 21. Paul's instruction. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. The son of the slave woman according to the flesh, the son of the free woman through promise. That's what's going on here. The slave mocking the promised son. The slave mocking this child God had destined for Abraham and Sarah. It's not just two brothers not getting along. It is, it is in Paul's understanding, where do we put our hope? Do we put our hope in simply a physical generation? Ishmael thought, I'm the son. I'm physically generated from him. I'm an heir. But he was not the son of the promise. Is it a son of law or a son of promise? Is it slavery or is it freedom? Paul says we must be the son's our, 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 our allegiance to the son of the promise. That's why, why the judgment is so harsh. Because the world is mocking the promised child of God. And so they are sent away. Jesus would confront the Jews with this same truth back in John chapter 8. If you'd like to turn to John chapter 8, Jesus is teaching there about sonship of Abraham. John chapter 8 and beginning at verse 31. We read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and do you know what you have heard? And, I, and you do what you have heard from my father. Jesus says, I know you. I know you are physically descended. But that's not enough. Being a physical descendant of Abraham is simply not sufficient. You must be linked with the child of promise. Simple external obedience to the law of God is not sufficient. Our hope is found in the Son of Promise and what He has done for us. Our hope is found in God's anointed. The Jews were rejecting God's anointed. All the way to the cross, where again they would mock Him, they would laugh at Him, they would spit on Him. A laughter, a laughter of mocking, mocking this Son of the Promise. Today, we are still confronted with that same choice. Where do we find our allegiance? Is it in, in an external conformity to law? 
or a heart that is linked to the child of promise, Jesus Christ? Do we find our hope in what we can do? Or do we find our hope in what he has done? Yes, Hagar is sent away, and that seems like a a cruel and and, uh, a most vicious thing to do. But it is nothing compared to an eternity away from God. When we mock his chosen son, the son of promise, because these truths from the Old Testament are given to us to point us to a greater reality. We read in the book of Hebrews, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. There is something better coming. The Old Testament saints looked forward to the coming of this greater promised Son. We look back, and we can see how God has perfectly fulfilled his word. They anticipated. We see the fulfillment. And as such, we enter into his presence with joy. We enter with singing. We began our service tonight. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. That response of joy, that response of laughter and delight in what God has done for us. Come into his presence with singing and into his courts with praise. We rest in the presence of our God. We have the privilege of coming and raising our voices joyfully in praise to him. Sometimes when our kids were were little, they would say things like, uh, do we have to go to church tonight? We would, of course, respond, no, we get to. We get to. We get to come into God's presence. We get to join our voices in praise. We get to rejoice once again because we find our allegiance in the son of promise. Not the son of a slave woman, not slavery to law, but the joy that God has given us, delighting in his grace, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in the finished work of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For us today, a laughter of joy and delight and celebration in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We laugh with joy and delight. But there is another laughter mentioned in Scripture. It is the laughter of God himself. God's laughter is not a laughter of joy and delight but it is a laughter of derision. We think of a text like Psalm chapter 2. In the second psalm in the Psalter, we read, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. We think of a psalm like Psalm 38. We read there, The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. A psalm like Psalm 59. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. For those who refuse to bow the knee to God's anointed, for those who refuse to embrace Jesus Christ as their only hope for salvation, oh, there is another laughter, a terrible laughter, as God laughs in derision at those who will be sent to an eternity away from Him. God 
does have the last laugh in the end. And so he calls us tonight. He calls us to a night to, to embrace with joy the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. He calls us to enter with joy that laughter of delight, rejoicing in what Christ has done for us, that we might never hear that laughter of derision being sent away. No, God, God brings laughter, joy, rejoicing to his people. And he calls you tonight, Leave the ways of the world, leave the help from Hagar, and enter the joy of your Father, the joy and delight in what he has done through his promised Son, Jesus Christ. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word, a word that is always right, a word that is always true, a word that instructs us as your people. Thank you for these stories given to us in the Old Testament, true stories, to encourage us and to warn us. Lord God, we thank you for the joy and laughter we have in the finished work of Jesus Christ, a delight in what he has done. If there are those here tonight, O oh God, who have never embraced him as Lord and Savior, move mightily and powerfully in their hearts tonight that they might enter the joy of salvation the joy of assurance, the joy of knowing an eternity with you, never to be sent away and to hear the laughter of derision. Lord God, work mightily and powerfully, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn to number 409 in the Psalter hymnal. Number 409, rejoice, ye pure in heart, rejoice, give thanks and sing, your festal banner wave on high, the cross of Christ your King. Rejoice, rejoice, give thanks and sing. We're going to sing all four verses. Number 409, let's stand together as we sing.
receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.